is 2.34, 2.35 now, and you're listening to the One Two Three show with me, Sadia Osmani. Um, it's time now for Trash Talk with Marcy Trent Long. This week, she's talking to Executive Director Wanda Mayer from the Kaduri Farm and Botanic Garden about their annual rescue efforts, animal rescue efforts in Hong Kong, as well as their other initiatives to support the environment. <laughs> Hey, Trash Talkers. Today, we're going to take a leap of faith. I'm assuming that if you're like me, you don't want to see anything go to waste. And maybe that includes animals. Did you know that between 1994 and 2020, almost 60,000 animals were received by the Kaduri Farm and Botanical Garden Rescue Center? About half were successfully nursed back to health and returned to the wild or found a permanent home. So, we're going to talk today with Wander Meyer, Executive Director at Kaderi Farm and Botanical Garden, a little bit about their research and their work to protect the animal species. Welcome to the show, Wander. Thank you, Marcy. Well, before we launch into your work at Kaduri, just walk us through. You have a, a varied career, which is interesting and probably aspirational for a lot of people, right? Where you went from the corporate world and were able to cross your way over into this into running a conservation organization, which is pretty cool. Yes, maybe I should even start before my career. I grew up on a farm. I've always very much been into animals and to nature. I think that's where my my love for these kind of things started. So maybe have, nowadays I still have the farm together with my brother and sisters, and it's an organic farm. So we have it in the Netherlands. We, we use this farm to see how we can grow vegetables uh, organically, without using uh, fertilizer and without using pesticides and herbicides. But after the farm, of course, I studied, I did university, and I grew up as a market researcher or a social scientist. In the last six years of my corporate career, I worked for a consultancy which was focused on environmental issues and particularly on wildlife and wildlife trade. And perhaps that's how Kadori Farm came to me because at Kadori Farm, we do a lot of wildlife rescue. We have a wildlife rescue center. And also we take up all the illegal traded animals, which are being either brought in via Hong Kong, via the harbor or via the airport. And they end up with us. And that's how we came to the 60,000 animals. Oh, that's great. Great story, right? And that, that's right, because you and I originally met when we were doing pangolin research. So maybe you just quickly break down what those different animals are that you're receiving from in the wild rescue center. And, and maybe you could take an example of one and walk us through the process of how it works. Yeah. So we actually, we got, a, if you look at the different taxa, we've got a lot of birds. So basically a lot of injured birds. So a lot of uh, raptors who are injured because they express into something and we nurture them back if they're healthy enough and nurture them back into nature. It goes from serpent eagles to a lot of kites. We have goshawks, so all the birds are coming in. Also, simply doves are coming in or smaller birds. So birds are almost 40% of all the animals which come into our rescue center. Now, are those a... birds being trafficked or are those birds like... No. Okay, no. that's they just... just oh, they, they are, they, in general, they are injured. They, 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 and especially in the summer season when it's the breeding season and they fall out of the nest and they're not ready yet to fly, then they bring them to us and we nurture them back into health and back, back into nature. So can, any, can anyone bring a, an injured wild animal to you? Yes, they can. And, and they do. So we have actually a kind of a division of labor. 
with the SPCA, the Society for Preventing Cruelty Against Animals, they take care of more domestic animals. And we take care of wild animals. So we've got a wild animal rescue center. So people bring birds. Also, we have an agreement with the Hong Kong police that every stray, stray snake, which is being caught somewhere, is being brought to Kadori Farm Botanic Garden. So in the old days, you've got people who catch snakes. And well, in the old days, they used to go to restaurants, right? Because people ate them. We made an agreement some 25 years ago that these people still get paid when they get a, when they get a snake, but they bring them to the police and the police brings them to us. We get in the high season, again, that's the wet season, up to two deliveries per day. We get literally 1,500 snakes a year, so that cannot be 10, 20 a day sometimes. And it goes from small crates to big boa constrictors to Burmese pythons. So all these snakes in general are in good health because they're not so injured. We release them again somewhere in the wild. We don't do too much in the open because lots of people are still afraid of snakes. But I think 90% of our snakes are being back released in the wild. And we do it when there's nobody around, but they are being released back where we believe they come from. So that's the snakes. Then we have quite a lot of reptiles coming from the illegal pet like pet trade. So there's a lot of turtles particularly. And they're being in the, well, pre-COVID, mostly caught on Cheplap cock. Uh, people bring in turtles, we rescue them or we save them. The problem is we can't release them in the wild in Hong Kong because you cannot bring in tur turtles from Africa back into the wild here. So we keep them in Kadori Farm in our rescue center. And if possible, we bring them back to their country, which is hardly ever possible. Then we bring to another rescue center. So we just brought a few very rare turtles to Switzerland, but they've been here for six years. And these are very expensive exercises because you fly them in, you fly them out. But, I mean, that's how we save these turtles. And then we've got amphibia and mammals. And All right, go ahead. I'm going to go back to the turtles. So, And the important thing is, because they're rare, right, you don't want to lose the species. So it's Correct. it's worth the money to send them to Switzerlanders, you know, put them in a place where they can continue to multiply. In my view, every animal is worth the money, but of course, rare species even more because there's so few of them. I mean, we had a species called the Plowshare uh, Madagascar turtoise. There's only a few hundred left in the world, and we had a whole bunch of them here. So if we don't if we don't take care of them, they may get extinct, actually. Right. Uh, now, we have a very good uh, relationship with many rescue centers around the world, and we exchange animals sometimes uh, from that respect. And you've been posting a lot about you know, turtles and the whole turtle trade. So, you know, normally with exotic pets or whatever, people don't really realize, they think, oh, wouldn't this be a cool animal to have? But it's actually quite damaging to be doing it. Yeah, you can leave out the word quite. It's very damaging. Uh, I mean, what's happening in the world is that people are buying pets. Some of these pets were not even rare when it started, like parrots or cockatoos. But they're being, they're being traded in such large quantities, they're becoming rare and they're becoming almost extinct because of this pet trade. That's one. Secondly, if you look at the pet trade itself, and I've been to bird markets in Jakarta and other cities in, in Bangkok, these animals are being so poorly managed traded that lots of them die. And eventually, when they arrive in a pet shop and arrive in a house in Hong Kong, people don't know how to take care of these poor animals because they come from a jungle in Africa, don't even know what they eat. So lots of these animals simply die somewhere. And that's why this, this trade in pets is so damaging. It's damaging for, of course, first for the animals, but also for the species and for nature more generally. 
So my strong advice would be simply don't buy exotic pets. Just buy pets which are part of your own country. Or I would say buy a, a cat or a dog. <laughs> they are going to extinct anytime soon. Yeah. Exactly. Um, right, because <laughs> you're taking taking one off the street. And then the, the other thing that we did in some of our research is a lot of the pet traders are actually bad guys, right? There's There's links of the wildlife animal trade and maybe some of the pets. Is that true? They sometimes have also criminal links and things like that. It's definitely true. Yes, of course, there are there are people who catch pets from the wilds in Africa or South America or in Asia who make a living on it and treat the animals well. But in generally, it's a very commercial business. It's a big, it's big business. It's not small business. It's big business. These animal traders, they trade in anything that makes them money. It can be a rhino, a rhino horn. It can be elephants, uh, ivory. It can be pangolins. And you had your pangolin uh, shows before and pangolins. Uh, which also we get, by the way, in our rescue center, because pangolins do live in Hong Kong. But pangolins, of course, are traded in massive quantities. And these, these traders are making money on whatever animal makes them money. So if it's a turtle, it's a legal pet. That's okay with them too, as long as it makes money. And the biggest issue is that the, 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 the penalties on this trade is so low that you can make as much money on an illegal pet trade as you can make with cocaine. But if they catch you with a bunch of turtles, well, you get a slap on the wrist and that's it. If it gets you with a kilo of cocaine, you've got 20 years to jail. So actually, it's much more lucrative and much easier to trade in pets than in cocaine or any other illegal substance. So, yes, often these people are bad guys. And not often girls, in general, they're guys. And I would say <laughs> they should be. Sometimes girls, I'm sure. Yeah, not, but not often. It, it sometimes happens. But in general, these, these people are guys. And, yes, it is really an issue now, step by step. The world realizes that we have to do something about it. So the, the, the penalties are getting tougher, also in Hong Kong. But then the chance of getting caught in general is pretty minor too. So you, you, if you get somebody, you get the traffickers, but not the bosses on top. So it is definitely a big illegal issue, a legal problem. All right. So we, we... Are Farm, we, 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 we are involved in the legal wildlife trade. We give our advice. But I think our remit is to try to save these animals when they come to Hong Kong and ideally release them back in the wild if they are native. But most of the time we we keep them. So we have a whole collection of different uh, exotic species or we bring them to other rescue centers around the world. OK, so we were ticking down. We had the birds. We went through the reptiles. We had the snakes, and I think we still have mammals and amphibians that you have. Yeah. Amphibians, of course, you don't see that much. That's a more of a rare species. We have amphibians, but they don't bring them often because people don't come across often amphibians. So there's not much to talk about amphibians generally or about as a rescue uh, species. Mammals are perhaps a bit more interesting. It can be big animals like barking deer get stuck in fences, and then we we, we've got a whole veterinarians who take care of exotic animals. So actually, I saw them today because the, the farm was closed, but the, our vet shop was open because they need to operate. They need to rescue these animals when they get injured. So we have so barking deer, you've got wild boar, you've got all these bigger mammals, which they bring to us too. They got it. We release them again if, if possible. If they're too injured, we keep them. So we've got a few barking deer in our farm who stay there, basically. And we even got pangolins in. So we had a few pangolins. We had I counted 15 pangolins in over the last uh, 20 years. In general, these pangolins are not being trafficked, luckily, in Hong Kong. They're more being attacked by dogs or whatever, so they're injured by dog bites. So the pangolins come to us, and we release them very secretly somewhere in Hong Kong. 
Yeah, so no one can find them. Wild boars, just briefly, how you accept the wild boars or no, because the, that's a whole different situation. When I call the police with a wild boar, um, I don't think they go straight to you anymore. Correct. This becomes a difficult topic in its own right because yeah. it wild could be boar, its own show. Yeah, its own show. <laughs> but in principle, if a wild boar is being brought to us, then we basically we do what we do with every animal. We we try to rescue it. I see. And then we okay. try to release it in a place where they don't do any harm. The problem with wild boar is particularly that people feed them, and that's why this population has exploded over the years. And they don't have natural enemies. Well, they have the, a, a Burmese python eats young wild boar, so that's a natural predator. But of course, if you feed them, then a wild boar are very successful. They the population explodes, and that's where that situation we are now in Hong Kong. Yes, that is its own show, but it's interesting that you take them. So, um, all right, we we honed in on the Wild Animal Rescue Center, but obviously Kaduri Farm is much bigger than that. Maybe you could just briefly explain those components of what else they do and uh, when do we get to go visit Kajuri Farms again? <laughs> I think you should visit any any day of the, of the year is good, but this uh, time of year is particularly good because we've got the cherry blossoms, uh, what you see normally in Japan or people flock to in April. We've got them now, we've got the peach blossoms. So it is actually quite busy at the moment uh, outside on the trail. So we have, of course, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful place to hike. It's a large estate of 148 hectares and you can hike all day. We have so many trails. It's steep, so there's a lot to see in, in, as a hiking trail. But what we do actually is three major things. So we talked about animal rescue and animal rehabilitation. We do nature conservation as a big issue on its own right. So we do a reforestation from a scientific perspective and also to teach other organizations how to do reforestation, which is a lot more than just planting trees. We try to restore biodiversity. Uh, we do. Then we have a big part, which is called uh, low carbon living. Uh, we've got a green hub, which is in Taipo, where we have a lot of, I would say, programs how people can live differently. And we'd like to mainstream alternative life. That's how we labeled it ourselves. So basically, we low carbon living is more than just eating vegan, but also is how you can produce your food without using less energy. That you have to see how you can grow your own food without using pesticides, herbicides, or, or, or fertilizers. So we have a whole, I would say, a sustainable living agriculture in the green hub, which takes, which tries to teach people how to live differently and more in, in tune with nature. So that's an important part of us. And linked to that, which is very important, is our holistic education. So we've got a big education center where we educate the traditional way. We educate children about nature. We educate also, call it less advantaged children. So poorer children, all we have at the moment, we do uh, a program for visually impaired children because visually impaired children never are into nature. They don't can't see nature, but they can't. Of course, they can feel it and smell it and hear it. So we've got a program now for visually impaired children. They, they come to our farm and, and touch animals and things like that. And then we do holistic education, more call it being in touch with nature, being in touch with earth, which we call the soul, the soil, and society, because it's more than just teaching people about nature, but also about the soil, what most people don't know much about. And the soil, of course, is where it all starts. Without the soil, there's no nature, there's no flora, no fauna. So that's, I would say, the major parts of what we do. And I think what makes Kadori Farm so special is that we always try to look at a holistic approach. So when you have a botanic garden, normally it's a botanic garden, right? It's a combination of plants. But we have a big fauna department, we've got a flora department, 
we've got agriculture, we've got education, and all these brings together, I would say makes it such a unique place. That's great. Well, Trash Talkers, I definitely encourage a visit because it's one of the few places you can visit right now during some COVID lockdown periods. Congratulations, Wander, on this new position, and we're excited to see where you take Kaduri Farms and Botanical Gardens. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much for inviting me. You can find all the Trash Talk episodes on iTunes and the RTHK On The Go app. Thanks to our partners, Plastic Free Seas. If you like what you hear, I also host the Sustainable Asia podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube for a more in-depth look at sustainability issues here in Asia. That's Marcy Trent Long talking to Executive Director Wanda Mayer from the Kaduri Farm and Botanic Gardens about their animal rescue efforts in Hong Kong. Some amazing work being done there.